0: Thanks very much for coming out this Saturday morning. And we'd like to also thank those who download these talks as podcasts from iTunes and invite you to correspond with us by emailing us at utahchristians at gmail.com. We'd like to thank those as well who take the membership class, which is online at on our website, ww.utahchrishans.org. Um, without your help and support, we couldn't do what we do. Everything is inspired by the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder and of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Today we'd like to talk to you about the seasons of our lives. In the Bhagavad Gita, this material phenomenal world is described as being endlessly mutable. There's never a time when it's all static. It's always changing from moment to moment to moment to moment. And in a broad sense, everything, from the tiniest little speck of dirt to the entire universe itself, goes through six changes. There's birth, there's growth, there's duration, reproduction, dwindling, and then vanishing. Now, in opposition to the ever-changing material nature are the living entities who are called jiva. The Sanskrit word for eternal is sat, and give you your first. Sanskrit lesson when you put an A in front of something, it negates it. So, this material world is called asat, it means it's not permanent, it's temporary. But we, who are not byproducts of material nature, we're not produced from matter, we are emanations from God, like particles of sunshine from the sunbow. We're called sat. We are sat, eternal living beings, unchanging living beings with the same divine nature as God, in a world which is Asa. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is an incompatible situation. It's like oil and water. But because we come from that which is eternal, because we ourselves are eternal, and God is eternal, we're driven to try to create a permanent situation. We feel this is our right. We feel this is our heritage. We're looking for a permanent niche. We're trying our level best for lasting security. only problem is, nothing wrong with that drop. It's entirely natural. The only thing that's wrong with it is that we're looking for it in the wrong place. We're looking for permanency, security, in a world which is, from one moment to the other, different. Someone would have to be out of their mind to go to the desert and look for water. I mean, if you're going to use the time and the energy, go to the jungle or to the lake and the rivers. Don't take that same time and energy and use it fruitlessly looking for water in the desert. And if you think you've proved me wrong, if you think, oh yeah, you're wrong, true, I'm in the desert and I'm seeing water just like a half a mile away, that is, take it from me and trust me, that is fantastic Permanent happiness is not to be found in the temporary world. And yet, we try, it, we try for it, we try for it, we try for it, we try for it fruitlessly, uselessly, vainly. We get comfortable, we get a certain little niche with co-students and co-workers and family members. We get into a routine with our schoolwork, we get into a routine with our career. And it's familiar, and we don't like to be jostled out of it. Mark Twain said the only person that likes change is a wet baby. <clears throat> but we need to understand that Krishna will put us somewhere for a season, but eventually he's going to move us on in due course of time. So we need to learn not to get stuck in what Krishna used to do and keep that from our being part of what Krishna's about to do. Some of you may be familiar with the story of Lord Ram. In fact, September 22nd and 23rd, we do our annual festival of in India, the 26th year that we've done it, and we do a shortened one hour version of the pageant of the Ramayana. But in any case, he was born uh, in Ayodhya, great regal kingdom, the first son of Dasara. He's literally had everything from birth. Silver spoon in his mouth, he was anointed as the next. King had decided to retire and on the following morning he was going to coronate Ram as the king of Ayodhya. But it didn't work out due to a palace conspiracy. There was an upheaval. There was a great uproar. And so on the day that Ram was to have been installed as the king of the greatest empire in the world, instead he finds himself divested of his royal robes and crown retainers and but only Lakshman, his brother, and his wife seated to keep him company. He's exiled, man through no fault of his own for 14 years. He's okay with that. God is leveraging him out of there in order that he gets him to a higher place. Ram tracks for three or four days, finds this beautiful idyllic ashram called Chitrakut, decides to settle in there. Meanwhile, back in Ayodhya, everyone's heard of the twist of fate which is exiled Ram and they don't want to stay in the city anymore they want to go to see where Ram is to petition him to come back so literally the entire population of Ayodhya, its army headed up by by Bharat, come to Chittuku and they beg Ram please come back, Ram refuses because he wants to honor the promise of his father so when the citizens find out that Ram's not going back, they say, well we're not going back either we're going to stay here with you you're the apple of our eye. You're the light of our lives. Uh, that would make Iodia a ghost town. Meanwhile, there was an environmental crisis shaping up in Chitrakoot with thousands and thousands, if tens of thousands of people trampling all the floor and the bottom. So that night, after everyone went to sleep early in the morning, Ram, and Lakshman, and Cesar, they rose and they slipped out for destinations unknown and undisclosed. They came eventually to the Nandika Forest in South India, built a little hut there, and lived for 13 years. They had only one year to go until their conditions of their exile were fulfilled and they would go back to Ayodhya. But in comes Supergag, the sister of Ravana. She takes a fancy to Ram, she tries to eat Sita. Lakshman mutilates her by lopping off a little of her nose and ears, and then she sends 14,000 ogres rakshasas, cannibals, eaters, to attack him. Ram kills all 14,000 of them. So he was just, you know, he'd made his third transition, he had done 13 out of 14 years of exile, he'd just been left alone for one more year, he'd have gone back and everything would have been normal. But that's not what God wanted. Three times, God leveraged Ram out of his comfort zone to get him to the point of fulfilling the mission for which Ram came on earth. In the Bhagavad Gita it says, God descends as an avatar. sadhanam dharma to protect the pious and righteous and towards that end to destroy the evil mysteries like Ravana. So had not Ram been uprooted, not once or twice or three times, he would not have come into confrontation with Ravana. Ravana would not have been killed. He would have not have fulfilled his mission. How does that relate to our lives? Just because Christian has blessed you where you are doesn't mean that you can just sit back and settle there. I heard about the number one video rental giant in the world. They were on top of everything. And they were approached by some recent graduates from Stanford University who wanted to partner with them on an idea. They said, we found the technology to download videos from the internet. So people don't have to go to the store and pick them up. They don't have to go to the store and drop them off. Would you be interested? They said, no. Don't tell us what to do. We know what we're doing. We're the giants in the industry. Take a hike. So those young, Blades, they started their own company called Netflix. And right now they're in the business of putting the video giant out of business. It's important to stay open to what God's doing now. What worked five years ago, three years ago, two years ago, may not work today. Not every blessing is supposed to be permanent. Krishna likes freshness. He likes to move in seasons. We shouldn't get stuck thinking that one way is going to last forever. My wife and I, Vaivaga, we were in charge of the Berkeley Temple from 1970 to 1975. And while we were there, many, many devotees moved in, uh, we had a big, successful, annual Rathiatra Festival at Golden Gate Park. We distributed uh, uh, up to a million dollars a year worth of Bhagavad Gita's and Srimad Bhagavatam and the classics of India. We bought a 150-acre farm in Mendocino County, and we were paying the mortgages off ahead of schedule. But some or other. And, and when we were there, we were thinking, This is great, you know, this is fantastic, and we envision ourselves spending our entire lives in the San Francisco Bay Area, taking that as our preaching field and dedicating ourselves to that area. But some or other, we were leveraged out. And we came to Los Angeles, and I was a life membership director, head of the Indian community for 10 years, and that was wonderful to develop intimate, deep, loving relationships with many Indian people, which last to this day. But that was only temporary provision. Krishna moved us out of L.A., and he got us to Spanish Fort Utah. Now, in many ways, I think starting the Krishna Conscious Community in Spanish Fort Utah Gives more honor and more glory to God than doing it in Los Angeles, San Francisco, where there's a large Indian community, where there's such a spiritual, where there's so many resources. I think, in, in some way, paradoxically, it's a higher credit and a higher calling to come to a place like Spanish Fort, Utah, where there's nothing, and then to establish something. But just as San Francisco was temporary provision, as Los Angeles temporary provision, this may also be temporary provision. Maybe Krishna has in mind Podunk, Idaho for all I know. That would be truly a credit to Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who said the Krishna will expand every town and village of the world, so... uh, In any case, we're all going to die, so nothing is, in fact, permanent. Everything changes. I heard a story about two friends. One wanted to go into the business world and one wanted to be a cleric. And when they were impecunious, poor, starving students, they made a pact that they would always give 10% of their income to the church. And uh, one went to seminary school and one went to business school. fellow graduated from business school and initially he gave $1,000 because his annual income was $10,000. Later on, he had an annual income of $100,000 he gave $10,000 tithe. His business took off and a few years later he had an income of $1,000,000 and he gave $100,000 to the church. A few years later his annual income was $6,000,000 and he called up his old friend He said, "Pastor, he said, I can't give six hundred thousand dollars. I got to get out of this covenant that we made. Can I come and see you?" Sure. So he came, visited his friend, received nicely. Pastor got down on his knees, and he was praying for the longest time and on and on, and on and on and on and on in terminal practice. So the businessman got a little impatient and said, Pastor, you are praying for me to get out of that covenant we made when we were youth, aren't you? He said, no, I'm praying for your income to go back to the point where you only had to type a thousand dollars. Have you heard the story of the goose that laid a golden egg? A man found it, got hold or came across a goose some or other that from its backside would lay golden eggs. But the problem was he had to feed the front side. He liked the income from the backside, but he didn't like the expenditure of feeding from the front side. So he thought, "I'll cut it in half. That way, I would just get the golden eggs from the backside. I don't want it to feed the front side." Problem was, as soon as he cut it in half, he didn't get the golden eggs from the backside. So what this man is? Failing to understand, he's thinking, "I have made six million dollars, and I find it—it it was okay to give a thousand out of ten thousand. It's okay to give ten thousand of a hundred thousand. It's not okay to give a hundred thousand of a million of my dollars, but I find it almost impossible out of six million dollars to give six hundred thousand of my dollars to God." What's the misunderstanding? That it belongs to you. In fact, the reason that he made even one dollar to speak of six million, because of the grace of God and the reason that his business prospered increased is because he was using a percentage of God's income to glorify God, to honor God and to help other living beings actually we shouldn't think that 100% is mine, I'll give 10% to God we should think 100% is God and I get to keep 90% and you won't have any problem tithing or supporting the glorification of God Stay open. Blessings are only stepping stones to a higher level. Be always willing to make adjustments, try something new. I heard about a Washington, D.C. restaurant. When they first opened, they were packed. They were doing great business. But as time went on, their clients will get less and less and less and less. What, what's, what are we doing wrong? Same menu, same food, same chef. But less and less people are coming. So someone came in one day and said, you know, your restaurant is near the headquarters of CI and a lot of the employees like to come in here and eat, but your tables are too close together. <laughs> they made a minor adjustment. They took maybe 25% of the table off the floor, created more space, and then business went back to booming went back to it the way it had been before. When we were trying to build a temple in Spanish Fork, Utah, as I mentioned, we didn't have a lot of devotees in the area or any devotees in the area. We didn't have any Indian community to speak of, at least not in Utah Valley. So one of the means by which we raised funds, strangely enough, was raising llamas. In the 80s, there was a huge demand for llamas and very little supply, so there was a lot of money to be made. We produced our own llamas from our uh, herd females. We went out and went to auctions bought them and resold them at higher prices. Uh, we had llamas donated because we're a nonprofit, and one year we brought in $80,000 selling llamas. Uh, the next two years we made $60,000 each year selling llamas. <laughs> now, eventually, as happens in all these endeavors, the bottom falls out of it, and then you can't even give the llamas away. A lot of people lost their shirts because they'd invested so much in the llamas, thinking them as only economic units to be traded and bought and sold. But we have a higher philosophy. We see them as living beings, spiritual brothers and sisters, and we know that every living being likes to learn things, they like to be productively and gainfully engaged. So we had always worked with our lovers. Taught them how to put on a halter and follow behind the handler. Taught them how to jump in and out of a van, in and out of a trailer. Taught them how to bear a saddle on their back and the weight of your tins and your food and your gear. And so the income that was lost through selling loans was replaced, at least in part, by our renting them out. And today we have the premier llama rental herd in all of Utah, and Boy Scouts and other campers take them to the High Uintas, they take them to Yellowstone, they take them to Wind River, they take them to Idaho, they take them to Escalante. Just a little bit of an adjustment, and the lungs are still valuable, treasured members of our community. Now, during all this, one devotee sent me an email, which I guess was a criticism. We're called the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. So one day I got an email, it's two words. Lama consciousness? Question mark? Like, True, you're really out there this time. But I'm thinking to myself, if you were a temple president of one of the five hundred Hare Krishna temples all over the world, and you had some residents that uh, only cost $5 a week to feed, they drank water, don't need Gatorade or smoothies, or anything like that. If they, as a result of their presence, brought hundreds if not thousands of members of the public onto your property and created wonderful public relations, and if they rented themselves out and brought in income, and, perhaps most importantly, if they never even whispered a word of criticism about the management, you would think that you had been sent devotees directly from heaven. But that's a good description of our Utah Valley lamas. And last July we celebrated our 18th annual Lama Fest, which per se has nothing to do with recent conscience. We wanted to show the neighboring community, that we could go at least one full 24 hours without proselytizing. And so we started the Lama Fest, and uh, one year, probably after the fourth or fifth Lama Fest, three young girls who were from Woodland Hills happened to be in our gift store down in the log house, a little gift store the size of the closet, and I'm making conversation with them. So I said, have you ever been here before? They said, no, our parents wouldn't allow us. Well, why are you here today? Yesterday our parents went to the Lama Fest and they figured you guys were alright. So be willing in your life to make adjustments. Adjustments in your attitude, adjustments in your relationships, adjustments in your finances, adjustments in your career. Don't be a a know-it-all and think that there's no room for improvement. Many years ago I ran the Hobble Creek Half Marathon and we were sitting around on a grassy area, there was a stage and a microphone and they were giving out the ribbons who were first, second, third place overall, and then who who had placed in their age groups. So they came to the women's, I don't know, it must have been 55 to 60 age group. One lady came up to get her 3rd place ribbon, and, uh, and they announced that the presenter had the ribbon with one hand, had her hand to shake her, and she walked right past the presenter, grabbed the microphone and said, I want to take this opportunity to declare that mine is the only true religion. Oh, I'm sitting there, I'm probably the only Hare Krishna in the whole area, and all my running friends are LDS, so embarrassed on my behalf, and one of them leans over and says, True, I'm so sorry uh, that you had to hear that. Of course, I believe the same thing, but I would never say it in public. <laughs> well, thanks for that support. And yet Krishna's highest instruction, basically the last words of the Bhagavad Gita, Sarvatthamam Parityagya ekam Kam Saranambhajana Give up all varieties of religion. Doesn't matter if you're the best religion, give it up. It's temporary provision. It's only a stepping stone to something much higher. Because life is not about religion. Life is about a relationship. And Krishna says, if you get the opportunity to revive your eternal, loving, intimate relationship with me, then you can... Jettison all religious dogma and all holier than now repressive religious people and not do any of the worse for it whatsoever. If people from the Judeo Christian tradition, which if we're honest, gives us very little, next to none information about specifically who God is, God is just a title, but who the person who fulfills the position of God, that information. We really don't have in our Judeo-Christian tradition. We have to guess, we have to speculate, it's all ambivalent and ambiguous. If you will take advantage of the Vedic Scripture, you will find out probably you say, we can give you God's name, we can give you His address, we can give you His phone number, we know the names of His friends. We can give you so much more information about God. And it's not in the spirit of denomination or sectarianism or conversion. Simply take advantage of the information about that God who is the ultimate goal and destination of every religious system. If you're following a religious system, and it's not wetting your appetite, uh, making you eager to thicken and enrich your relationship with God, maybe it did it one time, but it's no longer doing it, or maybe it never did then it's not going to serve you any purpose in your spiritual journey. You need to graduate above and beyond it. One time, Prabhupada Guru was on a national TV show in Australia called the Mike Willesey Show. In fact, I arranged all of his public appearances while I was there. And Mike Willesey was known for being extremely mascot. Towards his guest. Prabhupada walked in, Mike Willisi had his own seat and there was a love seat for two. So Prabhupada sat down and had a picture of Krishna which he put beside him. So you could see Mike Willissey, you know, like the like gleam come in his eye, and shocked, know, sharpened up in his canines, you know, his inside. And he must have felt like a crocodile with a deer in the water. And he said, So this is your Hindu god? Prabhupada said, Why did he say Hindu? Well, the peacock feather, the earrings, yellow dhoti, the dress. Probably, no, this is God. This is God. Well, it doesn't look like God to me. Then what does God look like? Well, I don't know. Well then how do you know this is not God? What information do you have in your Bible about the specifics of God's appearance, his demeanor, his activities, his brothers, his tastes? Because if you if you don't have a better idea, then you basically you have to accept that this is God. If you can present me with a better idea, I'll be the first one to adopt your idea and to go beyond this one. But if you're going to be honest and you don't have a better idea of God, then you need to accept this, that God has a bluish view to him. He wears a yellow dote, he plays a flute, and he has a peacock feather in his hair. Couldn't say anything? Just... We have to be willing to adjust to what doesn't take us any higher. Move to the new place where Krishna wants us to be. Get ready for the next thing that Krishna wants to get you to. Krishna is not trying to keep you from something, make your life miserable. He's trying to get you from something less to something much, much better. It's not about religion, it's about a relationship. Take the university as an example. university is temporary provision. It's just a stepping stone. Uh, gives you the tools that you need to get out there and make it in life. One shouldn't couch oneself in the university. Everything's comfortable. Mom and dad are paying for the dormitory. They're paying for my ticket at the cafeteria. Why should I leave the university? Well, eventually mom and dad are going to kick you out. Because that was his temporary provision to get you out into the real world. When Prabhupada came to America he gave an early lecture at the University of California in Berkeley, and someone piped up in a challenging spirit from the audience. There's so many religions, so many sects, so many denominations. Why have you come here? And Prabhupada said, I've come here to teach what you've forgotten. In all of this sectarian and denominationism and dogmas and holier than now stuff, you have forgotten how to love God. So I've come to teach you how to love God. And the process is very simple. It's like America has so many technologies for this, that, and the other thing. From India, we have a very simple technology to love God. It's called Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna's the name for God means all-attractive. Rama means highest pleasure, absolute. Hare refers to the energies of the Lord. The absolute God is non-different from His name. You associate directly with the Lord when you chant His holy name. He's dancing on the tip of your tongue. Krishna says himself, Naham Tishnami Vaikunke Yogi Where am I to be found? Where is the Supreme to be found? He says, I'm not in the spiritual world. What? I'm not in the heart of the yogis. What? Where are you? He says, wherever two or three are sitting down and chanting my holy name, there I come and sit with them. Don't hold on to something, or someone, which is holding you back. Make sure no person or institution is dragging you down. Friends, if you don't push past the past, you'll never encounter the future. We have people in our lives, we had people in our lives, that at one time, they inspired us, they mentored us, they fed us, they nourished us, they added to our life, but that season may have come to an end. Hari Keish is only going to be with us another month. And during the couple of years that he's been here, he's taken a number of families, nurtured them in Krishna consciousness, they've gone on trips together, he's given wonderful Bhagavad Gita classes every Saturday for over a year, but now he's going to Singapore to start his own Krishna conscious project. So we can say, oh, boo-boo, poor us, it'll never be the same again. Or we can step up, we can acknowledge that Krishna's plan is to take us to a higher level, to fulfill the gap that Hare Krishna, Hari Kesha leads. To have Anu and Dupita, give the Gita classes, to organize trips together, to encourage ourselves, now that Parikesh is no longer here, to encourage us, to make new friends and to go to a higher level, to grow up, in fact. And that's what the purpose of change is. Scaffolding, for instance, is not designated to be permanent. Scaffolding is perfectly useful while you're constructing the building. It's indispensable. You can't build without it. But once the building is done, you can't keep it up. You can't think, oh this scaffolding was so helpful, you know. We gotta keep it. We can't just like take it down. You know, we owe so much to this scaffolding. I might have lost my life falling down without this Nope. You have to recognize that it's part and your story is over take it down you leave it up, it's only going to be a hindrance. So, appreciate the people in your past. You might have had a friend who's moved to another state. You might have had a business that went under. You might have had a teacher that you looked up to and respect to. You might have lost a parent. Uh, Respect them, honor them, keep them in their prayers and their memories, but recognize that their part in your story is over. Sometimes, when you have a, a tension, like Arjuna did at the Kurukshetra war, he had all of his friends, all of his teachers, all of his mentors on one side, and he had Krishna on the other side. So he's saying, Krishna, friends, friends, Krishna, Krishna, friends, friends, Krishna, Krishna, friends. Krishna, Krishna, friends. What should I do? Should I fight and kill my friends? Because they were tyrants. They were on the wrong side. Righteous and pious people were going to be repressed if they hadn't been taken care of. But they're my friends. Arjuna was destined to go to a higher level and they weren't coming with him. But they're my friends. So he turns to Krishna and Krishna says, I'm your friend. I'm your mother. I'm your father. I'm your creator. I'm your uncle. I'm your guide. I'm your chariot driver. I am the root of all existences. Any quality that you appreciate or that you love in any other living being comes from me. It exists originally in me. So, take the higher road and recognize that these friends are not going to where you're going to go. You've passed the test now. Don't fight change. Don't hold on to something that Christian's done within your life. Come to a higher level. Sometimes we need pruning. Any gardener knows that if there are branches that are not bearing fruit or flowers, they're just draining energy and nutrition from other branches. And so paradoxically, the more you prune the tree, the more the nutrition is funneled to the proper place. And especially if there's branches that are going out in different directions, parallel to the ground, if you prune them, that allows the tree to come up higher. In our lives, we'll have things that are cut away. A good friend will move away. As I said, a business will shut down. We'll lose a loved one. Any we go through loss, think of it as pruning. Don't get bitter. Don't get down and out thinking, it's the end, I'm a failure. Rather, make the declaration, Krishna, I will let this go, knowing that what you have in my future will be greater. I read about Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was fired from Apple, the company that he founded. He was fired from doing the thing that he loved the most. But he didn't get bitter, he didn't get resentful. He just went out, he learned a new set of skills, he found another company, and that company became so successful that Apple bought the company and hired him back as the See, He said, if I had never been fired, I would have never have developed the skills. That made me into the person I am today. So are you stuck with what worked yesterday, but it's not going to work today? Too often we get comfortable with temporary provision. Krishna loves us too much to leave us stuck. An opportunity shuts down, you lose a client, friend moves to another city. Krishna's not trying to make your life miserable. He's positioning you to receive a whole new level of favor. Enjoy the season that you're in. Enjoy the favor. But don't get stuck trying to make temporary permanent. In the Bhagavad Gita it says, It says many, many, many souls, many individuals, millions and millions and millions have attained to my nature. They have attained to the imperial, spiritual world and regained the loving association of the Lord millions and millions of universes. How did they do that? By becoming detached. By giving up attachment, fear, and anger. See, we can't see the spiritual world as long as we're attached to this material world. We can't see that which is temporary and perishable and unchangeable as long as we're Roping and rasping around here. But when we chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, we lose our taste for material appetites and ambitions and goals. We develop a higher taste for that which is above and transcendent to the temporary, changing material world. We don't just repress, we don't just deny material pushings and pullings, but we replace them with something more sublime, something altogether preferable. We all know about babies. We were them at one time. At first, one gets an incredible amount of comfort from sucking on the nipple of one's mother. It's soothing, it's comforting, one feels secure. But at exactly at the right time, the mother will take the nipple away and give formula. The baby doesn't want the formula, wants the nipple, likes, likes the feeling it gives. But in due course of time, gets to like the bottle. Baby wants its bottle, likes its bottle. Exactly the right time, mother later on takes away the bottle and comes with the baby food in the spoon. The baby hates it, doesn't want it, wants the bottle, spits it out, grimaces, throws the spoon this way and that. But eventually the baby comes to like the baby food. So, if the mother had not taken away one thing and given the next thing exactly timely, that baby's growth would have been stunted. That baby would not have developed and matured to the level that it was supposed to. So God knows what He's doing. It may look like a setback, but it would look like harm will return here in Manage. It is said, the steps of good people are ordered by the Lord. Christian knows exactly when to remove something. He knows exactly when to prove something away. It's not to keep you from something, it's to get you somewhere much better. He doesn't want to settle for small, temporary things. He has a place for us in the internal spiritual world. So yes, he may take away the temporary provision in order to get us closer to our permanent home. No matter how good it seemed, if something didn't last, it wasn't supposed to last. Don't sit around in self-pity. The only reason we were pruned is that we could bear more fruit. Get ready for increase. Get ready for a new level of Krishna's favor. You know what I've learned? Change is inevitable. Change is going to happen, whether you like it or not. It's not a question of whether things are going to change or not. That's not the question. The only relevant question is what's your attitude going to be? How are you going to deal with it? Are you going to fall apart and think that our world ended because a loved one died, the project didn't make it, the relationship didn't work out? Are we going to get stuck in what Krishna used to do and miss out on what he's about to do? Or are we going to be forward-looking enough to say, I'm letting go of the temporary provision because... I want to be ready for a future which will be much, much greater than my past. If you'll make this decision with me today that you're going to stay open for change, not getting bitter and discouraged, but keep moving forward, then Krishna is going to take you all the way into the spiritual world where you will see permanent provision, abundance, and increase way beyond the furthest stretches of your imagination. And if you're inclined to chat with me,